20 Vision, 20 Vision, 20 Vision Podcast, the defining decade. All right, welcome and thank you for tuning in to the 20 Vision Podcast, the show where we interview 20-somethings to see how they're navigating the defining decade. I'm your host, Colin McQuillan, and as always, want to thank you for tuning in, especially today. This is episode 10. We're 10, 10 episodes deep. I can't believe it. Uh, my goal with this podcast was to do it as a hobby and, and bring you guys content that I thought was relatable and beneficial. And um, I hope I've done that for the past 10 episodes. So thank you, whether you are an avid listener or this is just your first time tuning in. But today's episode's different. I wanted to switch it up as the 10th episode I felt was a bit of a milestone. And I invited today two of my best friends on, John Ledoux. John was, John was our first guest on the podcast. And my other friend, Nigel Refon, they're actually going to be hosting the podcast and interviewing me for a bit of a change up here. I thought this could be kind of fun. I typically like to leave um, most of the information in the podcast up to the guest, but this might give you guys a better look at why this podcast is important to me and, and what I've gone through. So, John, Nige, thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having us, Call. We're excited to, uh, to host. We're, uh, we're, we'll try not to embarrass you too much on this one, but uh, <laughs> no promises. Yeah, I've got some, some good stories in my back pocket that I'm excited to bring up, but, you know, we'll wait until the end to, to surprise everyone. This is going to just turn into like one of those Comedy Central roasts where I just get flamed and this episode goes in a file deep in my computer never to be seen by anyone. <laughs> yeah, you made, a, uh, you made a big mistake letting us do this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nobody should ever give us a mic, exactly. but uh, hey, that's your fault. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, boys, I'll let you take it from here. Uh, get into it. All right. Now, do you want to you want to do your little intro before start? Sure. All right. But yeah, so I have known Colin for most of my life. I think our, our relationship really started in like second grade T-ball, uh, where our moms were the coaches together, or our dads, our parents were. Uh, and that's when me and Colin had the first time kind of hanging out. But I feel like we really grew together our junior year of high school. That's when we really start to connect, became more brothers than friends. Um, and ever since then, Colin has been dialing my phone ever since. Anytime I have a question I, I need uh, to go to someone for, Colin's my guy. So he has really turned into the brother that I never had. Um, and it's lasted all through college, even though we didn't go to school together. And now even living in two different cities, uh, I feel like we haven't really skipped a beat. So been one of Colin's longtime friends. So I'm, I'm excited to get to kind of work through some of the, some of the various um, times of his life that I, I know about and kind of dig into it. Thanks, Natch. Appreciate that. So uh, where, where Nigel was not present as much or as often, I filled in that gap briefly uh, for the college experience. Uh, I met Colin my freshman year. Um, Coming into college, we met at orientation during our Hound Games shenanigans, um, and I was looking at this kid going, "Who is this weirdo with the big with the big head and the backwards visor?" No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, he was an absolute legend right off the bat, and um, I'm excited to. Didn't realize it at the time, but 
long, uh, a long haul of five years, and now we're still roommates after the fact. So that's kind of cool. Um, but he's similar to, to Nigel's experience with Colin. He's been one of my best friends, and I couldn't ask for a better best friend and considerably a brother as well. So um, you've made quite an impact in my life, and I am very honored to be back on this podcast with you and getting to hit those questions and talk about your life a little bit more and your experience. So yeah, you. and your uh, your biggest mistake, Colin, was introducing me and John uh, to each other. As now I feel like we all we do is get to team up on you. <laughs> really true. true. Brutal. I never get a breath. But thanks, boys. That was really kind. Thank you. But uh, yeah, so Colin, now is where we're gonna head into the. I mean, potatoes of this interview. So why don't we start it off the old classic way? We're going to hit you with some hard-hitting questions, really get the interview going. Of course. So first one on deck. If you had enough money to never work, how would you spend your days? How would I spend my days? <laughs> See, the goal I touched on this a couple episodes ago is buying a ranch. So I would probably tend to the fields and the the horses and the cattle that I presumably bought. And then... Uh, the other goal of having that ranch is having my parents live there too in like a separate house. So I'd probably hang out with them and hopefully you guys and my other friends would be around too. And we'd just hang out and ride horses and drive like buggies or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> whatever you do with 200 acres of land, that's the goal. So you do whatever you want with 200 acres. Yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> All right, question two. If you could be a character from a childhood cartoon, who would you be and why? These are good. Childhood cartoon. Hmm. I'm trying to think of what <laughs> cartoons I like. Um, this is a funny one because I feel like I have a slight entrepreneurial spirit in me um whichever one of the guys from ed ed and eddie was like always down to start a business i'd be i'd be him like, that's so accurate <laughs> i jawbreakers or something like that <laughs> i can't think of other cartoons so i'm a little lost on this one no that is that is so spot on because i feel like most things we do you'll look and you'll be like notch we should start a business from this <laughs> <laughs> honestly honestly Always the businessman. All right. Third question. If you could learn the answer to one question about your future, what would that question be? Either how many kids do I have or do I get the ranch? Because <laughs> if I don't get the ranch, I got to figure something else out, like maybe a cabin somewhere. In the lake house <laughs> deep, deep in the woods yeah yeah exactly exactly unreal uh, i love it yeah we got a little uh philosophical with you there on, on some of those some of those questions you had to dig real deep especially that cartoon one that was tough <laughs> i'm sure that was probably a curveball for you for sure for sure <laughs> didn't get All any right. notes before this <laughs> so now that we've now that we've cracked you open with this stuff we really want to get into the big stuff right now. So um, something that me and Nigel discussed before this, and we were, we were sitting here thinking, what, what is something that, that Colin's like really known for? 
and um, we thought about your your personality and how extroverted you are. Um, <clears throat> people really matter to you, and that's something that is always one quality that I've always admired about you. But we thought that something that's very interesting and unique to you, but also to a lot of other people is, what was your experience coming from four years of college, being the super social, really knows a lot of people within the school and really is the go-to person at, at your school. How was that transition going from assumption over to the working life through a pandemic? And what was that transition like for you? Yeah, it was really difficult. Um, I think I had worked my four years in college. So student government was like my big thing while at Assumption. I always wanted to be the student body president by my senior year. And I kind of worked for that right off the bat freshman year. I didn't even know I wanted to do it until a couple weeks in. And then once I figured out what the position was and what it entailed, I really started to try and make connections because I wanted people to vote for me. And I did that genuinely a hundred percent. You know, it's just saying hi to people and introducing yourself and being friends with them. Like I just wanted a bunch of friends. I had great friends in, in high school and I wanted the same situation. And I also wanted people to vote for me, to be honest. And it worked out where I gained a lot of friends or a lot of people I was close with for my four years. And we just had such a mutual, mutual respect for each other. And whether we talked every day or it was just like a high, you know, going through the, like the student center or passing each other at the gym or anything like that. Like I'd say there were probably 50 people a day I talked to. And like the majority of them were just, Hey, how's it going? Hey, have a good day. Stuff like that. But going from having those minor interactions, which are sometimes what makes your day when you're having a bad day, just someone who you haven't seen in a while saying hi to you're in a pandemic and there's no one to talk to is so tough when you're a big extrovert like myself. So it was really hard. I mean, I think I relied on you guys and our, our other friends, you know, Tim, Garrett, Connor, Trevor, Spence. Um, there's people I'm not naming just because I, <laughs> there's too many to name. There were people I, there were a lot of people, Jesse, there were a lot of people that I relied on big time. And I felt like I was almost calling people just because I needed to hear a voice. Like I didn't have anything to say like you guys know, I'd, I'd call you sometimes like multiple times a day, just because I was so anxious that I didn't have someone to talk to. And there was nothing to be social about. Like nothing was happening. Everything was shut down. And I mean, work was good for part of that. I have great coworkers. I love all of them. I consider most of them friends, and not just coworkers. But I was still getting to know them. And I'd say I, I really didn't overcome that anxiety of, you know, while I wasn't alone, I, I lived with my parents and my sister and I had them and I'd see you guys when, when it warranted and see other friends when it warranted. But I probably didn't get over that anxiety of not seeing people until March of this year or April, maybe. 
And yeah, it was tough. I mean, talking to a ton of people every day that kind of want to talk to you, or at least will, you know, say hi back and you have a quick conversation and then going to not talking to anyone except for the people in your house and a couple friends, if they're not busy, that, that was really difficult for me. Yeah, absolutely. Your whole life, you've always been someone who's always reaching out, like you're saying, just making those little connections day in and day out. And never mind, was it like, oh yeah, you graduate from college and you kind of transition home and you have like a fun summer. No, you went from end of senior year of college, like everything's building up for that finale to COVID strikes. And you are now basically stuck in your basement 24 seven. There's like not much you can do, not, not many places you can go, not many people you can meet. And it can really start to wear on you. I know John and myself are the same kind of personalities or we like to be out there, like to get to know the people, very social beings. So we felt for you in that, in that kind of time. And that's why we appreciate the fact that you were calling us, reaching out. Not only were you helping yourself, but you were helping us to kind of navigate through that time. But I know you talked a lot about like, yeah, this was a struggle. How did you see that this aspect that you were struggling with how do you think it kind of filtered into then like your mindset and the way like you you went through your daily routines like how did it impact those parts of your life as well yeah I would wake up for a good period of time I'd say like halfway through January through the beginning of March of this year so I think when I first started work, it was so new and there was so much to learn. So for like three or four months, it wasn't super stressful. Like I wasn't so anxious. I definitely wanted to see people and I had that itch, but then the winter comes along and there's obviously that not like seasonal depression, but it's like cold out here in Massachusetts all the time and it's snowing. And then on top of that, there's COVID and you can't see people. So I'd say like, halfway through January to the beginning of March, it was really, really bad. Like I would wake up every day stressed out. I had a hard time pushing myself through the work day. I get all my work done, but it wasn't easy. And I'd kind of have these moments of like, am I doing enough? Am I not doing enough? Why can't I physically, like I felt like I physically could not do things sometimes. And then in turn, I'd stress about relationships, whether that was like someone I was seeing or, you know, dating at the time, whatever, or relationships with my friends where if someone didn't pick up, I think I've done something. I've done something wrong. I can't believe like I, I must have messed up just because I was lacking so much interaction that these small things were really renting space in my head. So my, my morning routine and, or my daily routine, excuse me, was that of like, wake up, push through work. Like you got to do it. And then after work, do like nothing a lot of the times. Um, I mean, I guess at that point I was doing 75 hard. So I had things to do and I had to push myself, which was really good. And I was blessed to have John along the ride to um, do that. But I, I guess before I was even doing that, it was like, get up, go to work, finish work, like shut down, like right at the end of the day, be done. And then watch TV or play Xbox or have beers or do something extremely unproductive. It was like, I was just in such a rut. My, my whole routine was shot. So 
so let's go back to that. You said you said you're before seventy five hard. You were in a you were in a bit of a rut, and like going back to the social aspect, I think that was something that a lot of people struggled with through the pandemic was that lack of social interaction, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, like it, it was hard for all kinds of people, you know? Sure. Um, so what in that rut, like what made you, what was that like point where you were saying, okay, enough is enough. Like I need to do something about this. What, what needs to change to make me fulfilled basically? Yeah. Um, well, I think I identified, so I'd say that period of get through work, like shut down right at the end of the day and then just do nothing was probably October through January, like up until starting 75 hard of last year, that was that period. And then that like extra kind of anxiety about like really not getting to see people was, um, after that till March. But I think I identified, Johnny, maybe you and I talked, I know we had talked about doing 75 hard before and November, I want to say was when we really nailed it down. This is the day we're doing it. We're starting it now. Get your, get your digs in while you can, you know, have some fun. And then it's about getting serious. But I think I identified a couple, a couple things that, um, that were why I was in that rut. I think one, I I had just gained so much weight. Like to be blunt, I was fat and I felt gross about myself and that was tough. Sorry. The question was <laughs> getting off topic. The, the oh, question was, going. what was the rut? Like, what did you identify and why did you want to get out of it? Yeah. Yeah. So I felt like gross about myself. Like, my body and also internally like, wow, I'm so lazy right now. I Sunday mornings, I grab beers and I'll watch football all day, like by myself too, like just by myself and in between games that I don't want to watch, I'll just play video games and do nothing. And I was like, what am I doing? Like I'm 22. That's so a, it's unhealthy, like physically, but B it's unhealthy. Like, mentally socially like what am i going to do with myself once this pandemic's over and i can see people again i have sat around and i've gained weight i've done nothing to improve myself and i think i was probably dwelling on the past a lot still at that point um a lot happened senior year of college multiple different things i think some big situations were really renting space in my head um whether that was like relationships or things outside of our control and then COVID hit. And I, all I can think about was the past and how much things sucked, even though I might not have said it, I was internalizing it. So I had a moment of like, wow, my, you know, all my, I I mean, my mom's really one of the big people who pushed me in this situation where I was like, my mom just wants me to be healthy. And she's like worried about me right now because I'm sitting in my basement, like, isolating myself now because I haven't been social and I'm doing all these unhealthy things like that's a bummer like when your mom like gets upset about something when your mom cries or she says like I want you to do this because it's better for you that's like so hard like that's a moment where you're like I have to do something and 
on the flip side, I think those like making change and getting out of those situations doesn't happen unless you really want to, but I wanted to in that moment. I was like, this is it. I have gotten to a point of almost no return and I've got to do something now before I slip deeper. Yeah. And I feel like you're hitting on like the key point that I feel like I've been noticing a lot with really getting into those kind of negative mindsets is it, it's a, it's something that continually just like builds on itself. Just things continue to kind of topple over on top of you and the weight seems to be getting heavier and heavier and harder and harder to lift off. So it, and it just welcomes more things to pile in. Like you said, one, you got pretty much thrown out of your senior year of college. It just ended in the blink of an eye. Like you missed a big experience, All right? That that's a knock down. Then you're at home and you're not getting to socialize. You're stuck in your house mm-hmm. right now. I'm like, just kind of feeling a little lonely. It's another way to get knocked down. Now you're starting like your career for the first time and you're not even able to like go in the office and meet people or talk to your managers and, and kind of navigate your way through it. You're in your basement and, and there's no one really to kind of help you. And, and you're, you're feeling really lost as you're in this, just this huge amount of unknown. And I heard you saying like, you're after work, you'd be like, am I doing enough? Like, look, there's just so much unknown and you begin to mm-hmm. question yourself and you, you get into that mindset where all of a sudden your automatic thoughts just start to like point negative all the time. And it becomes such a hard thing to come out of. And I'm glad that Krista was one of the, <laughs> your mom was one of the, the big things that kind of helped you kind of see that and, and make that turning point. So how, what were, what were some of the steps you took to start to take off the weight, to start to get back to where you want it to be? Yeah. I, I think the fact that John and I decided we were going to do this, in November gave me like a month and a half to say, okay, this is your time. It's the end of the year, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, like whatever. Don't go off the rails, but do your thing. Have some fun because it's going to get freaking serious in a couple months and it's going to be serious for a few more months. So figure it out at the moment. Um, so I think identifying that early and picking a time to go was super influential. I started to kind of build on some of the habits before we started 75 hard. So I like worked my way into it. I started to eat healthier beforehand. And then I started to get back into working out again. Well, it was just at home, but just something to kind of prepare me to get into that. And then I think for the rest of the time, like I really sat back and had to look at myself and think like, what do I, what do I want to be? Like, what are my goals in my twenties and like for the rest of my life? And I mean, like, like my mom and I talked about it and she's like, call, like, I don't want you to, you know, like have a heart attack at like 45 or some medical issue because you couldn't fix this now. She's like, you can fix it pretty easily right now. Like now is the time to do it. (laughs) You know, like this is one step for the rest of your life. And I think right around that time, someone at work who's a bit more tenured was talking to me about how he said something like three months is like a joke. Three months is nothing in the scheme of life. Like that is short-term success, anything you can do then. And I started to laugh on the call with him because I knew I was doing 75 hard and that's almost three months. I'm like, man, that's so funny. Like he's right. 
three months. What am I doing the next three months? Nothing. It's COVID. I can't see anyone. I might as well, you know, figure it out. Um, and then I think mentally I had to get in a phase of, or get in a mindset of thinking like everything that happened before is over. And like you can change how you feel by improving yourself right now. Like anything I was still stressed about at that point was basically insecurity about things that had happened before or had led to where I was at that point. And I thought to myself like, okay, change the narrative right now. Like a lot of people would fold in the situation you're in. Like you always talk about how strong you are mentally. Now's your time to prove it and change yourself. And I think I just started looking at it as like every day is a new day. Like I'll joke with, with Johnny about this. I'm like, Hey man, another day on the spinning rock, you know, <laughs> like, like that's a good feeling. Like I like just trying to wake up and think, yes, like this is great. I, I can attack the day. Um, I had never really had that before. So just changing, you know, a couple physical habits beforehand before getting into 75 hard, which was the real push. And then also changing my mentality of kind of being sorry for myself in the situation. You said something that I was, I thought was really important and say that last piece that you just said. Uh, you can't feel sorry. Sorry. Did I say you can't feel sorry for yes. yourself? Yes. Changing that mentality from you can't feel sorry about yourself. Sorry for yourself. You took action at that point. And I think uh, something that we haven't touched on is that challenge that you did your junior year or junior year of college. Um, it was that touch on like what that challenge was compared to, comparatively to 75 hard and how, how was your mentality different? Like how did you take the feeling sorry for yourself mentality on this, on this challenge? And how did you flip that into like that winning mentality that you had throughout it? Sure. So the challenge junior year, I don't even remember what company did it. It was like one of those eight week programs, whatever. Yeah. Um, there was like no structure to it. It was like just who, like it was either lose, you know, weight and we'll look at the transformations or it was people on the other side getting jacked and they would look at their transformations too. So we were in college. It was second semester and I was pretty serious about it, or I thought I was pretty serious about it at the time. There were, you know, things I probably could have done better throughout it, but it was the first time I really pushed myself in something like that. Like, I did not have any cheat meals, which was tough because I'd still try and, like, go out with my friends and stuff like that. And everyone would want to order pizza at 1 a.m. And I'd say no. And that was pretty good for me at the time that was that was like a win and then kind of towards the end of it I was like all right it's junior year of college I want to have some beers and then I get some super I I think I was getting like Miller 64 and I'd have like a six pack and go out on a Saturday some garbage like that but that's like that's like cheating you know like in a challenge like that I shouldn't even be you know having drinks I should be focused on um the task at hand and I think I was focused, but 75 hard, I was, I was like a dog. I was an assassin 
on 75 hard. You could not throw me off. You could not change my mindset. You could not tell me I wasn't going to do it. I think I said at the end, like that wasn't as bad as I thought it was because I was so dialed in. And I think part of me was angry at myself. And then I fueled it as well being like, like, I don't hold, I don't hold grudges at all. I'm not like an angry person, but I was like in the back of my head channeling everything that had happened to me, especially my senior year and anything anyone had ever told me where it was like a, you're not good enough situation. And I was just so, I was like pissed off <laughs> in, in a good way. Um, and I, I could not be thrown off. And I'd never been like that before. And I think after the first three weeks, I could never be consistent for long with this stuff. Like I had tried before throughout COVID, like, okay, you're going to lose the weight or you're going to change your mentality or you're going to do this or that. And I can never last longer than like five days to two weeks. And I remember three weeks was over and I saw some serious weight loss and mental changes. I was like, Oh my God, like I have done this for three weeks. I know how many more weeks are left. I have to keep going. Like I can't stop because I, a, I'm going to be so proud of myself and B other people are going to see it and think, wow, like maybe, maybe they knew me and they knew that I, I had failed at other things before, but it was like, okay, like other people are going to see this too. And it was, it was probably an ego thing. I think especially because I hadn't seen people in a while. And maybe there was some like attention that was part of that, but that was fine. You know, it was, I think that's good attention, you know, hard work ethic and making big change. Part of that attention may lead to inspiring people to make change. And it's funny how many people reach out to me now and are like, Hey, tell me about 75 hard. I was thinking about it. I'm like, yes, you got to go do it. And like, I don't know if it was, but you know, it probably wasn't because of me. 75 hard is popular and a lot of people have heard about it, but the fact that they, will reach out and ask me questions is, is pretty cool. Um, yeah. So I think the, the change there was, I was just a dog as David Goggins likes to say, I was, I was unstoppable. Yeah. You were absolutely dialed in. And like you said, you could see the results, not even before the challenge ended. I remember you came over to my place and you walked in and everyone was like, Colin, you look good man like it was it was clear to see and it was wasn't just like your physique was good but your your mood was bright you were standing up straight like you walked in every room and you were like I'm, I'm comfortable being here this is like it just you gave off a different kind of vibe uh comparing to some other times where it was just kind of like going through the motions sure and it's it's a really hard place to get to and to me it kind of sounds like and, and what I've been trying to do is understanding the the connection between your like physical body or your physical self and your mental self and how much those actually overlap when people consider them to be so different. And you're talking about, yeah, you put yourself through all these different uh, physical like routines, challenges, or even starting some of those before getting into 75 hard. And you at that point started to kind of see your mindset change with it. Mm -hmm. and it. And I feel like a lot of people think, all right, I need to like focus on the mind and they'll just do that. But in reality, it's a balancing act between the two. Did 75 Hard kind of help you to see that? Yeah. I think it's so important, the, the connection between the both. Like, 
like I look at it, I have a video um, that I think I had posted on Instagram with like my post after 75 hard. That was me before. And I was like almost 290. That's like crazy to me that I let myself get to that point. And I think about all these things and like these stressors I had. I was like, wow, a lot of this stuff was just like social anxiety tied to how I look and felt. Like I, I'm pretty self-aware. I'd say that's one of my, like a trait of mine that I'm really good at. And whether I say, you know, what's on my mind and what I'm aware of or not, I knew in that time, like I was embarrassed because walking upstairs, I'd get like tired or I was like, oh, like I look like a slob. And I kind of learned that, you know, maybe I'd let myself go before at that point. Um, and I've been in situations where I was kind of told by others, like, yeah, like you got to start taking care of yourself. And I didn't care about it at that point. And then when there's like no one around, like you can think about those thoughts a little bit more. <laughs> they start to bother you a bit, I guess. But like, I find that whenever I physically feel really good or think I look good, mentally, I'm like a different, different person. You know, I think feeling healthy and your body feels good. And, you know, during that waking up on a Saturday or Sunday, like wasn't drinking, felt like awesome, you know, so productive, so happy, so much more willing to be social and see people. And then there's that um, feeling of like, wow, I look good. Holy cow. Like, I remember a, a situation and I, I won't like tell the story behind it, but I got a compliment like right after 75 hard was over on how I like physically looked and I've, and it, it was from a girl and I like really never got, it was from a girl I didn't know too. Like, so it was. You should tell the story. You should just friend, tell the story. Yeah. Okay. Friend of a friend <laughs> ran into a, a coworker of mine. Shout out Aiden. You're probably watching the, or listening to this, ran into her she was with a friend and just said, hi, you know, quick moved on after the fact, she texted me. She's like, Oh, you'll never believe what so-and-so said. She's like, wow, he looks so good. Said something like, Oh, he's got like a nice physique or like he's got a nice body or something like that. And I literally teared up in my car. I was like, I've never gotten that compliment before, you know, over the course of the pandemic, I felt like I didn't look good and I never really had that view of myself and I didn't feel like super comfortable in my own skin. And then like, I just went and changed it and no joke a week after someone who I have no clue who they are and know nothing about like com complimented me on this. And that was like the coolest thing in the world. So I, I think there's a tie of like, you feel physically healthy. So mentally I feel really good. And then you look physically healthy and you look good and mentally you feel really good too. So I think they're just, you know, neck and neck with each other. Yeah. They build on top of each other for <laughs> sure. But I know, so of course working out and being active was a big part of 75 hard, but what were some of the other components of the routine that you had that you think also added to your, you know, your overall well-being and in what ways? Reading is awesome. Um, I used to never read. I was Dude, that reading guy. Reading is tight. Reading <laughs> is tight. 
I, I was the kid who like didn't read a book in high school, didn't read a book in college. I am that guy. And I think in the past like year, I've read more books than I had in the previous 12. Like I love self-development books. I love, you know, books on marketing, books on business, stuff like that. Books on just ideas of how to, how to change your life. Like my, my all time favorite is the secret. Everyone's got to read that book, but reading was a huge part of my day and it always made me feel good. And like, it was another task that I accomplished. And I think, I mean, doing two workouts a day, I know you said aside from the workout piece, but doing two workouts a day, like that feeling of, I just did an hour and a half worth of workouts today is like a really good feeling. Um, but having a routine that you stick to and you do the same way every day is so important. I had a, like, there was no other option than to wake up and go for a walk or a run. And then the rest of my day could start. Like I could not, I couldn't do the walk or the run on lunch. I couldn't do it in the afternoon. I couldn't do it at night. It had to be walk or run in the morning. And then, you know, go to the gym or work out at home afterwards. And then throughout the day, like eating lunch at the same time, reading right before bed. I think there's so much value and this sounds so funny in like laying your clothes out for the next day and not just your clothes for work or whatever you have to do, but lay out your clothes for the gym, like lay out your bag, lay, just getting your day prepared for the next day is huge. And at one point, I was also putting my phone down an hour before I went to bed. And there's so much benefit to that. I'm not great at it right now. I can't say that I'm consistent with it at the moment. But putting your phone away, not looking at social media, not looking at texts, not looking at anything right before bed, you just turn that switch off and you get such a better sleep and you bring down any anxiety that you might get from, from looking at your phone. I think that's super important too. Yeah. Another thing too that I've learned is uh, that snooze button that I'm addicted to hitting. What I've started doing is just putting it. I don't, I used to have it right on my bedside table. One of my friends just recently was like, no, to get that thing away from your bed, make yourself get up to turn off your alarm and you'll be up and out of bed and you can, you'll, you'll be up when you want to be up rather than snooze. I'm going to try that. I'm so bad about hitting snooze. That is, I'm going to try that. I think most many 20 or 20 something year olds, the snooze button is their best friend. And I would agree with you, Nigel. I think just like your alarm goes off, like hit it. That five seconds of sleep doesn't mean anything or the five minutes of sleep you get doesn't mean anything. It actually sets you back. It puts you into, it could potentially put you into a different sleep cycle. There's some science behind it. I don't fully know it, but you're going to be more tired and your day is going to suck. So, yeah, but somehow you convince yourself in that moment when you're like, you're like, my bed is so comfy. There's no place I want to be right now on my bed. And you just curl right back. And it's so easy to do that. Yeah. It's so easy. For sure. Those five minutes are the greatest thing of all time though. I do have to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's enjoyable. But yeah, now that I've, finally gotten more into the routine of getting up right away and starting my day like now I'm actually on the schedule I want to be on of like getting things done in the morning before work it it's all I feel like a lot of this has been just like it's all about building blocks adding things to your day exactly. I call them. the thing that I love that you said is like 
preparing yourself for the next day, like laying your clothes out or like making your lunch the, uh, the night before, just doing like a couple extra things just to make tomorrow, like boom, already checked off. It's adding those little things. And it's, I feel like it's what I always like to talk or remind myself of is the military rule of first thing you do when you wake up is you make your bed because you yep. start your day with something productive, you get that done. And now it's all of a sudden you're on just a, you're just on momentum at that point of checking things off the list. And it's, it's a weird like psychological trick, but it, it is just a matter of how humans work is that we are kind of built on that momentum. We are uh, creatures of habit. And when you're able to build those things in, and that's really what it seems like 75 hard really helped you to do is build the right kinds of routines that lead to successful lifestyle that then propels you to meet the goals that you're setting. Definitely. I think something that is very interesting that you both have just talked about is the, the small tasks matter. And mm -hmm. in everything successful that you try to do, you have to accomplish those small tasks. Like the book, uh, Make Your Bed, talks about the little tasks matter and those add up. And I think that's why 75 Hard is such a great program and why it changes your mentalities because you check off those boxes, but you do them in a way that's like, this is an accomplishment. And every single one of these boxes that I'm checking off isn't just a task, but it's an accomplishment. And it changes your mentality to say, I'm succeeding. I'm succeeding every single time you check one of those boxes. And you get hungry for it. All you want to do is just yeah. check the next one. It just pushes you to keep going. I need more boxes to check. <laughs> Give me all your boxes. <laughs> I got to hit all these tasks. Like that's, that's really the feeling though. It's like you start with these small ones and then all of a sudden you're emptying the dishwasher, cleaning the bathroom, taking out the trash, doing your laundry. And it's like 9.30 in the morning. And you're like, I am an animal. I am like... I am just taking care of the day. Not you know? sitting in your robe watching Sunday football. Hey, that, that has a time and a place too, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about balance. We talked about it today. It's all about balance. All about balance. It is. And uh, so kind of speaking about that habits into goals. So Colin, what are your kind of long-term goals or even some short-term goals that you've kind of set for yourself? And how are you building the right kind of routine and habits to, you know, lead you towards that path? Sure. So I think the first one, um, I have like some more goals to get in better shape by the end of the year. Not that I'm out of shape, but I put a little bit of weight back on after 75 hard in the summer and having fun and everything. So I want to, I want to fix that. So I think switching up my diet, um, working out a little bit more and not going out as much will be helpful there. I think another goal that I've had come up is I want to put more money away, save money, invest more money. So how have I moved towards that? I'd like start to actually put money away, but I also do research on um, things that I think will be best suited for me and my goals. I mean, long-term goals, the ranch is like the, the longest of long-term goals. Like I'm telling the ranch. you, I, I want the ranch so bad, Montana or Texas. I don't care. I'm open to other States depending on pricing. We'll see. Um, but I think like long-term goals are 
you know, actually buy the ranch. I want to make sure that I'm like a good family man and there for my friends always. Like I all, I always have, I always think about you guys and, and my family and all my other friends. And I want to make sure that I'm, you know, always there for them going forward later in life. I think, I mean, the, the standard, not that I shouldn't say the standard because it is different for everyone, but maybe a lot of 20 somethings will agree with this. Like, can't wait to be a dad. Can't wait to be married. Like, can't wait to have buy my first house. Those are three goals that I've always said are like going to be such accomplishments when I, when I do that, when I find the person I want to spend the rest of my life with, when I'm able to start a family and have kids. And then the day that I'm able to buy a house, that's mine. Like I own it. That's my, my thing. Um, before I buy the ranch. So <laughs> those are, those are some of the like longer term goals. And then I'd say like a medium term goal is continue to progress in my career. Um, I think continue this podcast. Like I don't want this to stop. I want to keep uh, this train on the tracks and, and moving forward and expand it hopefully. Um, and I think continue to grow. I mean, I'd say this is like a midterm goal through my twenties, like, continue to develop habits and grow that will last going forward. Love it, man. Goals. Yeah. So one thing that I kind of want to comment on too, is you put out these, these goals that you're like, the first one was right. You want to get in a little bit better shape. I love that you said eating was the first thing. So I feel like everyone thinks, all right, then I got to work out. I feel like diet is always overlooked, but so for like kind of looking back and 75 hard, right? You, that were part of doing it was because you wanted to get into better shape. And so what did you have to do? You had like strict rules, strict, like something that you had to follow. It wasn't like, I'm going to eat better, but I can't eat this. I have to eat this amount of this. I have to drink this amount of water. Mm-hmm. Like you set out detailed things uh, and it, it's, been how I've tried to when I frame my goals and it goes it goes back to one of the books I read again talking about like structure and habits is your goals don't mean anything unless you have a structure to achieve them Mm -hmm. you can have a goal but if you have no idea how you're going to get there you don't you don't have a path that you're kind of like trying to march down then how are you really going to get to that goal is is it gonna is it gonna ever actually come and I feel like that's what a lot of people do is focus on the end result and they say, I want to put up more weight in the gym. I want to run a marathon. And they just say like, that's my goal. But then they don't lay out the groundwork and rules for it. So that'd be one challenge I'd say is if you want to lose weight and be like, all right, then I have to eat like this way. I have to have salad five times a week. Mm-hmm. Or some like lay out a strict rule because that's what 75 hard forced you to do is lay out a strict routine and then you lead to your goals rather than so I'm going to eat better because then what does that even mean eat better for sure and I, th- I think there's what I'm trying to work on right now and John and I actually just had a conversation about this before the call is is balance and not so I started in this um, extreme overweight down on myself in a rut I swung completely over to strict diet strict workout regimen strict rules all the time. Neither of those things are sustainable. 
like on the one side, I'm either going to have some serious health implications and that's not going to last long. Or on the other side, I'm going to burn out really hard and it's, you just can't keep that up all the time. So I think having a plan is super important and figuring out how you're going to balance it um, is also super important. So you don't beat yourself up when you maybe miss on certain things, but you keep yourself honest and going. And just on the goals, Nige, while you're on it, um, you guys can kind of see it here. The listeners cannot, obviously, but I have a whiteboard hanging on my wall with like long-term goals, short-term goals. And I look at them every day. And I think that's super important having them. I used to write them in like a journal, but I wouldn't look at the journal every day. So what's the point? Now I have this big whiteboard that has my goals outlined on it and I have to look at them every single day. It's right by my desk. So I think putting those goals out there into the world is important. And then looking at them every day is important as well. That's a Goggins tactic, isn't it? Is it not? Kind of putting those. The, what? The, the visualization techniques. Yeah. Those are, um, those are brought up by a lot of different people. He does more like visualization in terms of like viewing those goals uh, with Goggins. But I know like a lot of like, like I know famous bodybuilders will do visualization. I know uh, a lot of people who, if like you follow first form, like they talk about visualization, like a lot of big entrepreneurs Ed Milet, like all of them talk about like visualization and like, like dream boards and things like that, that you see and like you look at your specific goals and you take that time and it's super important. It's very effective too. So. Yeah. I actually I don't know just, created it though. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. Nige. That's a good question. And I did just start visualizing myself and it is so awesome at the beginning of your day, like taking five or 10 minutes, I'll get up, get ready, take a shower, come back into my room and I'll just lay down for five or 10 minutes and close my eyes and I'll, I'll visualize, you know, long-term goals, me in the moment, me completing tasks, me completing tasks that I'm going to do that day, you know, just putting myself in that place and kind of starting the day off like, okay, I know I can do this. I'm seeing it right now. Now let's make it happen. Absolutely. Dude, getting that good start to your day. I love the way you're laying that out as you know, the things you need to accomplish, how you're going to get there. Starting your day that way makes it so much easier to just move down that path rather than trying to pull together. Mm -hmm. So love that. A hundred percent. Awesome. I, you, you really laid out the framework for us, Carl. I don't know. I don't personally have too many more questions. Nige, do you have anything that you want to hit on? I know we got one last one. That we yeah, let's get, on. yeah, let's go right to it. All right. So Colin, this is the last final question that you ask all your guests. We want to know the answer to this. What is the best lesson or piece of advice you've learned in your twenties thus far? Hmm. I'd say this is a lesson I've learned and it's all, I guess this is my own advice and kind of something I've internalized from situations and what other people have talk to me about and from the advice that I've been given, but life is good, you know? So 
I guess that's not advice. That's the lesson piece. Like life is good. Bad things happen and tough times happen, but they go eventually. Like you will work through them. You will get out on the other side. And I guess advice too would be like every day is so important that you wake up. Like you don't know when that time stops. And my biggest fear in the world is regret. And like at the end of the day, sitting there and thinking I didn't do enough. And yeah, every day, every day is a new opportunity to make something happen. So life is good. And uh, yeah, I guess don't waste your, waste your days here. Get after it every day. That wasn't very distinct, but. (laughs) No, that was, but good message. I get what you're saying. And I think, I think it does nail, nail everything because life is good. And I think you hit the nail on the head with the no, no regrets. Like it sounds cheesy, but like you can't, you can't live a life of regrets. You take your shots. And I say that's something that you, you live out, like watching how you operate. You definitely live that. And you take your shots and you don't hesitate with that. And whether it works out or not, you, it doesn't stop you from the next shot that you take. Yeah. So maybe, maybe that's a good way to put it, Johnny. I'd say then the, the advice would be, you know, go for it, go for it, whatever it is. There are so many things that we stress about every day. And I can't remember what I stressed about last Tuesday. And I can't remember what I stressed about four Wednesdays ago. I, it it comes and goes, Um, whether it's asking for promotion, looking for a new job, having a hard conversation with a family member or a friend, asking someone out, you know, getting out of a bad relationship, whatever it is, like, just, you got to go for it. Like, we don't have enough time to sit and dwell. And the feeling of doing things and getting after it and going for it every day is so much better than the feeling of what if, if that opportunity passes. Absolutely. I don't know if we just got one lesson or five from your response, but we'll, we'll take it regardless. But either way, Colin, you are absolutely someone who just embodies, you know, valuing life, dying every day, and, and especially valuing the people around you, I think is, is one of the biggest things that you kind of glow about it, it, it or makes you you so appreciate that honestly can't, really can't thank you enough for for having john and i on the pod uh we had a lot of fun doing this kind of prepping how we how we wanted to navigate through this conversation uh and honestly we, we love what you're doing here we're big fans of the podcast uh, we're really excited to see where you take it thank you gentlemen i appreciate you both being on and uh if that's all you have to say nigel and john pleasure having you on the show where can the audience find the both of you on social media? Do a quick little plug. <laughs> Nige? I mean, if I use social media, <laughs> it's like I, you can try and find me. I mean, you'll find nothing about me. I think all my social media is like first and last name, Nigel Lee. And, and you'll find nothing about me. <laughs> want to call me, though? At get to know me? More than happy to. Yeah, you can find him on Hinge somewhere or something like that. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Say, say he came from the pod, Johnny. 
you if uh you have any of your uh fitness or nutrition tips and tricks that you're wondering about any personal training inquiries you can find me on instagram at john.ledoux underscore maybe i don't know to be honest i I'll repost Colin's podcast so you can find me that way, all right? I'll tag you boys both. That's okay. <laughs> Please don't text me. I'm really bad at my phone, though. <laughs> but you can find the podcast on Instagram at 20visionpod. That's 20visionpod. I'd love if you gave the page a follow to keep up to date on new episode releases. And again, thank you so much for listening. I look forward to bringing you a new episode of the 20 Vision Podcast every week. Ha <laughs> ha, peace! <laughs>